Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, back with Tom and Ed. We were gone last week, but we're back. Healthy and all. We're in one piece. Last week we missed. week before, Kyle was off doing Kyle things. This is the first time that we've had all three of us here in a minute. I feel like we got a lot to discuss, guys. Yeah, uh, maybe. Depends how much you want to get into. <laughs> we have some bad news, and we have some good news, and we have some very, very tragic news. Sure. Uh, the good news, can we start with the good news? Sure. <laughs> that means it's all downhill from here, but fine. Well, I guess, <laughs> where would you put it like that? Well, Ed, do you remember probably about two weeks ago we were talking about Ashanti's feature on that Meg Thee Stallion song with, uh, who was the other person on that song, uh... Uh, the baby. The baby. Yes, I'm sure well, that Ed, you remember that fondly. Ed, I can't imagine how this is going to be good news, Ed. I'm waiting for it because <laughs> I'm skeptical player. Well, this song actually charted on the Billboard 100 without being a single, which means Ashanti now has a Billboard 100 song in three different decades. That's impressive. Um, so where's the good news? Because the song is not great. <laughs> Listen, Ed, we're just adding on to Ashanti's legendary legacy. But anywho, can we get into... Legendary <laughs> legacy. Listen, uh, but but we do have some bad news as well. Some tragic news, actually. Alright. Well... We gotta say R.I.P. to Andre Harrell, the man that started Uptown Records. This is a huge loss for the R&B community, just because, man, he. If we and you guys definitely can talk about it better than I can, but when we think back to the R&B that we all love, that we talk about every week on this podcast, Andre Harrell, we can thank him for a lot of that. Yeah, player, if you go back and look at the legacy of R&B and for most people listening to this podcast, and especially between the three of us, the era of R&B that we love, we're talking early, late 80s, early 90s, going through the 2000s, you can credit Andre Harrell for being the architect of all of that. When you look at Uptown's just legacy, this, this is where we kind of got the start of I'll be sure, Heavy D. He was heavily influential in Teddy Riley and Guy. So that whole New Jack Swing era sound that we all love, that was all part of his fingerprints. Then, of course, infamously, one of his interns was a man we now know as Puff Daddy. Diddy was his intern. Diddy went on to help guide the early careers of Mary J. and Jodeci. So the start of the hip-hop soul era Again, part of Andre Harrell's fingerprints. Then, of course, we know Biggie, uh, not Biggie, but Puff would go on to move to his own record label, Bad Boy. And he would take Biggie with him, who was originally an uptown artist. He would go there, start his own empire. So all of those remixes and all those you won't stops and all that stuff. Again, all of that originates from Andre Harrell. And when he, when Puff left... Uptown was still doing the thing. Heavy D took over Uptown. That's when we got Soul For Real. That's when we got Monifa. All of these artists that we love and we look at how they have branched out and influenced 
R&B and hip hop for the past 25 years or so, it all started with Andre Harrell. We do not celebrate enough how influential he was for the sound of music we love. I think the thing that hurts the most for me was they just had begun casting for a mini series about Uptown Records in late 2019. I'm sure it was put on hold, you know, the whole production of the show with everything that's going on in the world. But man, Andre Harrell was such a low key guy that he never really got celebrated like he should have been. But I feel like with this show, if it had come out, man, he really would have been celebrated like he was supposed to be. And it's it just, it's just hard, you know. Another one gone too soon, and it never got really the chance to be appreciated like he was while he was here. Unfortunately, I mean, you're right. Dude was—I mean, he wasn't even sixty; he was in his fifties. And unfortunately, because of the climate that we live in with R&B and music in general, and we talk about it all the time, old man Ed gets the fussing because y'all don't show his legends any love, blah blah blah. But the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because we don't give flowers until they're no longer here. Andre Harrell is one of the biggest pioneers of the sound of music we love, both R&B and hip-hop. He should be celebrated. He's, as you said, Tom, was a low-key brother, so we didn't really hear a lot from him. I think that miniseries would have been the vehicle to give him the appreciation that he deserved because a whole new generation would see, oh, this is the dude that did that. And without that, unfortunately, we've kind of lost that. So I hate it so much that he was not celebrated to the level that he should have been. But the music still lasts. Yep. And Ed, you forgot Christopher Williams. That was another one that came from Uptown Records. Man, he had a whole roster. He had Christopher Williams. Shout out to G.J. Soulchild. His boy Horace Brown was there, the <laughs> legend himself. Father MC. I mean, it was just so many dudes that came out during that era. I mean, let me just say, this label, if you look at between Guy, Jodeci, Mary J. Blige, Notorious B.I.G., who started out as an artist on Uptown, single-handedly changed the sound of music, and that's not an understatement, of R&B at the time. They changed it, this label. I mean, people might not realize this, but among those artists, they were you know, trendsetters, and people followed them. Heavily influential. But see, I'm going to hit you with this, Tom. They didn't just change it once. They changed it twice. Because we got New Jack Swing. That ran for mm-hmm. years. Then we got Hip Hop Soul. That ran for mm-hmm. years. Those were two mega sounds that were kind of developed under this one umbrella. And we talked today about all these artists with labels going to Jay-Z, Rock Nation, and Everybody else that has these little vanity imprints and things like that. Don't forget the blueprint, man. The blueprint again, Andre Harrell. He had this roster. He had this stable. And he was very, very passionate about just the way that he could market the sounds of these very talented artists. I was reading an interview that you guys did with him a couple years ago. And it was just so powerful. His thoughts on... The kind of where we're, what we've lost in R&B in the past few years. Y'all remember what he said? Yeah, pretty much talking about how the newer generation doesn't have the, I forgot the exact wording, but something like they don't understand love basically and can't translate that to the music. It's it's kind of lost. It was it, it was that was something that was lost between generations, so they can't portray that in the in the music. The newer R&B artists. 
Yeah, long story short, I love the way he put it. He was basically like, without the influence of like gospel and, and some of the writing that was so prevalent in R&B at the time, now the influence is rap. And the rap's whole persona is not about emotion. It's about, you know, what can you get from me? It's more like a giving. It's not a looking inward. And when we're developing music based with rap as the template, and again, no beef. Y'all know I love me some hip hop. But the direction is completely different. And the passion and the love and the emotion that has always been the base of R&B is no longer there because we're basing it on rap, which is a whole different mentality as far as its approach to the world. That was a very, very telling kind of narrative about why when we look and say, where have all the love songs gone? Because we aren't mm. basing them off of love songs. We're basing them off of hip hop. And while hip hop has had elements of love, it has always been kind of a more forceful delivery and trust and believe. You listen to some of the music we hear today with you talk about the vulgarity or just the forcefulness and lacking the tenderness that R&B had is because that template has changed. And I think it was a very, very, very powerful statement he made. Kyle, he, that interview was from 2011. So for him to make that observation in 2011 and when now we're in 2020, I mean, think about the past generation. We just have to sit through as R&B lovers and, and kind of what, you know, what it's become. Like I've said previously, where's the love? And he knew, he knew long ago it wasn't there. Ten years ago. Yeah. But I think Ed has been saying that for years, too. Because pretty much, in summary, what I took from all of that, Ed and Tom, was that Ed thinks that kids are idiots. Can we confirm this? Oh. oh. Well, it depends oh. on the kid. What kid are we talking about? Kyle. Kyle. Can I give an immediate play, please, right now, at the beginning of this episode? Who are we giving it to? We're going to give an immediate play, please, to Tom, Ed, and Kyle for never celebrating properly the legacy of Andre Harrell while he was here with us. Why have we never talked about this before? Hold, hold the F up, Tom, and I'm going to put the F in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Andre Harrell actually followed us on Twitter about a month ago. Maybe even less than that, maybe three weeks ago. And to me, that that was like our validation. Like, all right, this man who jump-started a lot of R&B careers has recognized our work, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And what I mm. did to show him love was I DM'd him, just thanking him for his contributions to yes. R&B. And uh, unfortunately, he never read it. I'm not sure if he was reading his DMs, but I tried. I tried giving him his flowers. So I have that, and I'm going to screenshot it. I'm going to post it up <laughs> on my wall. Oh, my gosh. The, what is it, the Grilled Chicken Studios. We're going to do that. The Grilled Chicken Studios? You brought it back. Grill, oh. Grilled Chicken Studios has made its return. I am too. I mean. love it. I love it. I have proof that I gave Andre Carell love, and we he will did. continue to celebrate him on this podcast on both of our outlets. Until the end of whatever we're doing. But, so again, <laughs> RIP to Andre Harrell. Uh, I've got another RIP here. And Ed, you might have to educate the younger folks on this one. Because okay. some people might not be familiar with him. The architect of rock, Little Richard. 
The Architect of Rock, yes. And again, I think maybe some of our younger listeners may not understand the influence he had. Before the world went nuts, just a couple months ago, my wife and I went to Macon, Georgia to do a story on Otis Redding because that's his hometown. That also happens to be the hometown of Little Richard as well. And Little Richard has, you talk about someone, we just talked about Andre Farrell not getting his props. Little Richard is the dude who architect who was the architect of not just rock and roll, but when you think about it, also the influence of R&B and soul and gospel. The issue was back in the day when he was the first person to come out with this sound. And again, rock and roll in the in his era in the 50s or so sounds way different than now. So it's hard to compare. If you're like, oh, he's a rock artist, rock doesn't sound like that. But he laid the foundation. However, when he laid the foundation, you had like Elvis and all those guys come and kind of bite that sound. And because they were more mainstream, they took it and ran. My old heads will remember. I don't know if you remember this, Tom. You remember In Living Color, the TV show? I've heard of it. I've never watched it, unfortunately. (laughs) Go to YouTube and get your life. I don't watch. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I forgot. Only Braves games for this guy. So anyway, 100 (laughs) percent. So they used to do these skits with Little Richard and they just made Little Richard seem like this bitter old guy who everybody stole his stuff. And he was just like, everybody stole it from me. And you laughed. But now after going on a trip to Macon and just knowing my um, have studying music over the past two years, he was right. We talk so much about people. This era of everybody's appropriating this and that. He was the first one to speak against that. And he was right. His sound was the sound that James Brown basically emulated. He basically carbon copied that. Elvis Mm -hmm. carbon copied that. But because he was not in a position to be at that level, he didn't get accolades. Now, later on, he got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he did get his kudos later on. But younger fans just do not realize that when it comes to rock and roll, even the early, early iteration of R&B and soul was all this dude. And the performance level definitely was him. Usher, you better go give Little Richard some love. Chris Mm -hmm. Brown, you better go give Little Richard some love because he set the groundwork. So even though we kind of back in my generation kind of laughed him off as like this little bitter dude. He was absolutely right. And he is, again, another person who did not get the love from our generation that he should have for being a pioneer. Mm. Now, I don't know if you can confirm this or not. I actually just saw it on Twitter earlier. And, Tom, you'll be excited about this one because you can tell your son about Little Richard. Ed, true or false? Little Richard wrote the record, The Magic School Bus. You know, I heard that. I did not know that until today. I saw that on Twitter as well. I'm not going to say yeah until I research it because I'm not going to be one spreading rumors. There's enough of y'all around here with your fake coronavirus cures out there. But I, yeah, I heard that. I did not know he wrote the Magic School Bus song, but I would not be surprised. Dude did a lot, and it was all undercover. I would love to kind of hear some another. He's another one that's deserving of kind of a biopic, it, but biopic mm-hmm. because I, 
I think it was Prince that was like telling these hilarious stories about how he loved fried chicken and he would let you sing whatever you wanted as long as you gave him some chicken. It's ridiculous. He is a character and he would be great for another biopic. Another dude that he lived a long life. I don't want to say, oh, he's gone too soon. But I think he's gone too soon in the fact that he was not celebrated in the way that he should have been. Black man invented rock and roll. That's your message for the day. Guys, can we just take one quick moment to celebrate Stevie Wonder, who will be turning 70 years old in four days from now? I mean, when we lose this guy, when we lose this guy, I, I will... I will miss probably a month's worth of podcast just in mourning. So just let you know right now. Yes, I was saying earlier when all this went down, that's because as of today's recording, we heard about these two back to Beth monumental deaths. I was like, somebody call Steven. Make sure he's okay because I can't do the three for three today. But I'm 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 actually serious. Like if we, ugh, I I don't want to move on, Kyle. I can't think about it. Well, I'll give you this. If Little Richard did do the Magic School Bus record, that is probably the most R&B thing that will happen on this podcast. Because the rest of the music <laughs> I'm, I'm about to get into, it's all trash. I'm just kidding. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, wow. I'm just Jeez. kidding. There's some gems here. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and I'll let you guys decide which are the gems and which are the trash. But let's get into some new music here. <laughs> and I've got some questions to come with it. Uh, Brandy dropped her new record, Baby Mama with Chance the Rapper, produced by Hip Boy. And I got this song about three weeks ago. Shout out to Tasha from E1 for sending it. I got a chance to interview Brandy as well. We talked a little bit about the album. She's an independent artist now. And before we even get to the song, I got a question for you guys, because I called out Brandy on the interview. I don't know if you guys had a chance to check it out. But my biggest thing with Brandy is that she doesn't celebrate her past success enough. And I think... There's a fine balance there between relying on the nostalgia, but sometimes you just got to remind the people of the work that you've done in the past and remind them that you have a legendary discography. So how do you guys kind of look at that? Like we've seen artists that just continue to celebrate whatever they put out in the 90s and ignore everything they put out today. And then there's people like Brandy and maybe even Usher to an extent. They just look at the now. Like how do you guys kind of balance that? I think there's a balance, and I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. If you look at Mariah, for example, she loves to celebrate her past stuff. And you know what? Those crazy little stands, they will rally behind her, and you will randomly see an album like E equals MC squared like at the top of the charts again, just because they decide today we're going to push this one up. So it's... Say what? I got an issue with that. That was one of my hot-burning questions. All right, we'll get back to that one. So you'll <laughs> see artists that do that, but then you will see artists that kind of almost forget that. Why well, would maybe that's a little unfair? But they almost kind of pass over the the albums and songs that really created their fan base, and it could be that mentality of I'm evolving. I don't want to stay in the past. If you want my old stuff, buy my old stuff. I'm moving forward. I see both sides, but I think when it comes to the here and now, you have to do two. Number one, you have to celebrate what you got now. If you got something new out, push it. But you also have to be loyal to your the people who got you here, therefore your core base, 
And yeah, throw some love to those old hits. You don't have to ride it forever and make you seem like a has-been. But you can show love to that bass who has those classic songs that really ride and resonate with them. But you can also do a little bit of the new stuff. Shouldn't be forgotten, but you shouldn't dwell on it either. Well, Tom, the reason why I brought that up was Brandy's Never Say Never album came came out in 98, I believe. So two years ago, it would have been the 20th anniversary of that album. She didn't do a tour for that album. And I think partially it was just due to the fact that she was focused on recording new music. Should we be expecting these artists who are still putting out new music to be doing these anniversary tours? Uh, I, I often feel like there's a disconnect between the fans, what the fans expect and what the artist expects to give their fans. Like, I feel like that would have been a prime situation to do so. And I'm not trying to diss Brandy. You know, I, maybe I'm just, that's just my observation, but you got to celebrate these legendary classic albums. I, I, I just, but, you know, we don't know what these artists have. Go, like, Brandy's a mother. You know, you can't expect her to just drop raising a child and just go on the road and do a, a global tour. You know, it's, it's a different time. So we don't know what they've got going on, but at the same time, at least celebrate it in some way. It just would be special to the fans, I feel like. I mean, Kyle, you're a big Brandy fan. What do you expect? I mean, a tour would be nice, but sometimes even acknowledgement through a Twitter post or an Instagram post, just posting the album cover, telling some stories from that album, from that era, mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. I think for artists like Brandy, so they'll talk about it, but they won't really celebrate it. Tank is another one, especially with his earlier albums. Um, like even if you notice on his Instagram page recently, he's um, posted his last three albums to more trappy stuff, and he's told mm-hmm. people to go stream that stuff, but he kind of glazes over some of his earlier work. Now, I think some of it is because it was on Blackground Records, and I don't think it's available available for streaming, but still, like, I would love it if people celebrated all the work from beginning to end, but we'll see. We'll see. Brandy, I did talk to her, and I did make her understand that she needs to acknowledge all of her work because, you know, even if she doesn't like some of those albums, there's actually some people that bought those albums that actually have memories to those albums. Like, I know she doesn't like the Human album, but, you know, you still got to acknowledge it. You don't have to say mm-hmm. it was your greatest work, but it's just nice to acknowledge it for the fans. Fair um, but speaking of Brandy, let's get into the new song here, Baby Mama. Like I said, I heard it three years ago. And my initial reaction, which still stands, I think it's a cool song. I think the beat's good. The only disconnect I have with it, and it's no fault to Brandy, but it's the Baby Mama subject matter. That's probably not for me. It's not for, like, I'm not part of that demographic. But um, it'll be interesting to see how this connects with the mainstream. Ed, what did you think of the song? Well, you know what I'm about to go. If the following statement is made by E.T. Bowser of SolandStereo.com. <laughs> oh, no. File all complaints at E.T. Bowser on Twitter. No, I'm, the, I'm not going off because I know that you, that Brand is your girl. And I think the song is okay. I like the production a lot. My issue is I don't feel like her... There's some there's a disconnect. And when I say disconnect, it's not even subject matter. It's it's like the vocals don't match the beat. Something about it just does not fit and feels off to me. If she was singing on a different track, maybe that might work. 
Maybe if it was structured a little bit differently over this beat, it would work. But it's just like a, it's like when you put the right shoe on the left foot. Like it's on, but it don't fit and it's uncomfortable. And something about it that doesn't work. The subject matter is, eh, again, like be a baby mama, but the baby got to be like 20 years old now. So that's weird. Yeah. But the actual song itself, I don't know. It's something's off to it. It's off. Not feeling it that much. Take the beat and have like Fabulous do a freestyle over it. It'd probably be dope. But other than that, yeah. I'll share my opinion. I actually like the song. It's fun. The beat is, is insane. I love the beat. But to me, and Kyle, I listened to your interview I just don't think Brandy is passionate about putting out new music. I, I just don't see it, and I don't feel it when I hear the music. It almost seems like she's going through the motions. I mean, I think, Ed, that's maybe what you're getting at. And I'm just speculating, but just hearing the answers in these interviews, it, it, it just doesn't seem like she wants to even do another album. It almost seems like she feels forced to. Maybe that's the case. I, I just don't get that she's fired up to do new music, guys. I'm sorry. It's been so long, and... I don't know. No, you're right about it. Again, it just feels, and I this will be my complaint about a lot of the new music we're, that we're going to discuss on this podcast. There's a lack of energy that is really taking me out of a lot of new music, and it's really bothersome. And I mm. used to blame it on newer artists, but some of our veterans, too. I just feel like everybody's just kind of going through the motions. And when I say that, I'm not saying that energy means screaming over a song or yelling, or that's not what I mean. I mean, energy needs to be some vocal inflections, some passion, some delivery. Make me feel what you're saying in the lyrics. Everyone just seems like they're just reading a piece of paper that they're going to run out to the studio, and then they're going to hit the club after, just trying to get it out the way. There's a lack of energy and emotion and passion, and that's something that hurts this song, too. And I know it's a personal song, but it doesn't feel personal. It just feels like... I'm singing this song over this really good beat. Let's hurry up because I got to go feed my baby. Mm. No, there's something missing. Yeah. I mean, not to, not, not to talk about this song for the next 20 minutes, but I do agree. I don't even know if it's a lack of passion and emotion. I think my biggest complaint with the song is the lyrics. Like, there's the harmonies, there's the runs that we all love from Brandy, but, like, I can't tell you a single line of the song. And you know why? No, and you know, and that's again, that's a prevalent issue across a lot of new songs today. There's a reason why we can hear a song from 1997 and revert it and recite it verbatim, even down to the ad libs, because everything about it was memorable in its construction. Now it's just like, okay, let me hit this beat, go all the way through it, and there's nothing that sticks. Like you said, I just listened to the song a second ago. I remember the baby mama part in the hook. That's about it. <laughs> Which, you know, that might actually be better than a lot of R&B songs. There's R&B songs that I listen to today. Four minutes go by, and I don't know what's going on. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's a vibe, Kyle. You got to catch the vibes. Oh, please. <laughs> you can catch these hands before you catch this vibe. <laughs> But, guys, Brandy set to drop her album B7 on July 31st, executive produced by Camper. That's her boy, so shout out to Camper. I'm actually looking forward to this. It's her first project independently, and um, I don't know how excited she is with putting in the work, 
that comes with an independent project. I know she's been like doing a million interviews. We got rescheduled twice, but shout out to E1 for coming through. But um, I mean, she's gotten the media part down, but now it's just about pushing the album. We'll have to see what Brandy does, but I do have a question for you guys. This is another Brandy question. Well, actually, I have a point, and then I have a question for you guys. <laughs> All right. So I would like to say that on social media, I don't know what's going on with people, but they're really going hard at Brandy this time around. Like, they're criticizing everything she's doing. Fire, did you just wake up? This is 2020. We criticize everybody, unless your name is Beyonce. Everybody gets these hands. It's ridiculous. So I'm not surprised at all by that. Yeah, I mean, even these interviews I heard, other than the one you did, Kyle, your your interview was by far the best I heard of all those interviews Brandy did. People asking, when's your versus battle with Monica coming up and stupid stuff like that. Oh, it's just bad. That, that, that was my next topic, so... Ed, it's funny, about two weeks ago, I, I, I issued out a challenge to all the R&B fans, and I said, I challenge everyone to listen to one new album or an album that you've never heard of, one mm-hmm. a day, to educate yourself and to enhance and further um, educate your knowledge of R&B so that our conversations can go beyond who's better, Monica or Brandy. Two weeks later... <laughs> On my Twitter, everyone is saying we need to do a versus battle with Brandy. God, please don't. And you know what would be... But see, here's the thing. And that's what bothers me about this. Because if they did a versus battle between Brandy and Monica, and I guarantee you, if they did anything from an album post like 2004, those same people would be like, I've never heard this song. What song is this? Is this a new song? I've never heard this. Because we propose to be fans, but we don't study up. We don't stay up on the latest. Well, everything ain't got to be a versus battle, y'all. Jeez. Like, celebrate. I love that challenge. A new album a day challenge for a month. You ain't doing nothing anyway but sitting on the on internet making up coronavirus conspiracies. Just take 45 minutes. Listen to an album you've never heard of before. Go beyond your comfort zone. Go to an era. Go to the 70s and explore some Stevie. Go to the 80s. Hit up some After 7. Do some early 90s. See what intro talking about. Do something that's out of your realm and learn something about this genre that we love. And I guarantee you, you will discover more artists and more hits and more things that we talk about in this podcast you might not be familiar with. But you will love this stuff so much. Go beyond your comfort zone, y'all. Everything ain't got to be like entertainment battles. On a slightly related note, Kyle, where is Monica? She has a personal photographer. I hope they're practicing social distance right now. (laughs) That album was supposed to come out last year. It's not going to come out this year. Well, it'll be called Chapter 40 before we know it. Oh, jeez. Stop it. I mean, it's true. But um, I got a question when it comes to these battles. First of all, um, I don't foresee a battle happening because I don't personally see the point. But if a battle does happen, I hope Monica plays Sideline Ho because that's like a goat song. That's one of the greatest songs of all time. Just that concept. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I do love that album, though. You know I love that album, so leave me alone. Yeah, Making of Me, that's a great album. But let me ask you this. Is it beneficial to Brandy or even Monica 
if we're talking about that to have a versus battle. I know the views are going to be off chain, but from a longevity standpoint, does this benefit anyone? Well, as far as like the all, artists Ed, themselves, Ed. First of all, is that the Monica album where she's wearing a rope on the cover? Yes, that's the one where it looks like some bondage porn. Yes, it's some, <laughs> I have questions about this album. When y'all get this interview going, I have some issues, Monica. We need a discussion. Okay, continue your answer. Ed. <laughs> I it de- when it comes to these battles, it just depends. Like it's this is a good way for fans to rediscover old songs and i know it won't affect us and most of the people listening to this podcast will say oh we know all this stuff but just look at like the unsungs when drew hill's unsung came out and you just saw this spike in drew hill sales and spins of songs and you have all these art these fans who kind of checked out of r&b at one point they're like oh crap i gotta go revisit because these are some hits so it could be a short-term burst for a career boost for both and it would help if they did have some new music laying around. But as far as elevating them to like some new plateau, no. A lot of this stuff is just something to trend and entertain for the night and then people keep it moving. So, uh, on a side note, Tom, Ja Rule challenged 50 Cent to a versus battle in which 50 Cent replied with, no, I'd rather battle Snoop Dogg. Your thoughts? <laughs> Snoop Dogg versus 50 Cent? No. No chance. I I guess Ja Rule and 50 Cent will be fun just because of the the whole hype around that whole situation, but I don't know. I've never watched any of these versus battles, and I wouldn't tune into that one either. Please. That wouldn't get past, like, three songs. Someone would just start cussing the other one out. I was going to say, there was, this battle would turn to a literal battle. Like, I don't think that would be a great idea. Tell the kids to stay at home, Ed. Uh, we got some more, got some more records here to talk about here. Um, I guess we would call them Blue Eyed Soul or White Artist, whatever you want. Uh, JoJo and the Bonfire both put out some solid projects. Uh, JoJo, first of all, looks amazing on social media. We got to give her a shout oh, out for that. God. She may turn oh, to have an elevated past Ashanti as the greatest. Oh my! Oh, have you guys? Have you guys seen any pictures of Ashanti during this quarantine? I haven't. She hasn't even been able to go outside. Well, of course she can't do her little pictures where she's like butt naked laying in the street. If she can't go out in the street, I'm such. I hope she's stocked up on some stuff. If she talked to Monica's um, roving photographer, maybe she would have some stuff on backlog that she could throw up there. But no, I'm not seeing what she her quarantine draws. No, I missed that player. <laughs> Shout out to Ashanti for living in the moment. But JoJo and the Bonfire both put out new new albums. Bonfire is actually uh, the first chapter of three. JoJo, Good to Know, The Bonfire, Love, Lust, and Let Down. Which one did you guys like more? Because I felt like they were both solid. Personally, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to really digest e- either of them. But, man, I'm just mad you called them blue-eyed soul. Come on, man. Music is music. We don't need to classify it. I know, I know. Well, I've heard both. Um, I will say that I per- much prefer JoJo's. JoJo had a couple of tracks I really, really enjoyed, by the way. I thought her project was pretty strong. Um, Bonfire was a little frustrating. I didn't think it was bad, 
But it was just something missing. And again, you know what's missing? It goes back to what we talked about before. There is just, I feel like when she's singing, she's going through the motions. I need to have some energy brought to these songs. I need some kind of, I've talked about this on the Soul and Serial Cypher on Facebook. There was an episode of the Keisha Cole show on her, um, at her reality show where she was singing that last night hook for Puffy. And Puff was in the studio and kept making her do it over and over again. And she was getting so pissed. And he was like, you are not bringing emotion to the song. I want you to get mad. I want you to sing it passionately. And she eventually got furious and sang the heck out of that song. And that song today people still love. Keisha Cole fans love that song. And it's because he pulled that passion out of her. I need Puff in the studio with Bonfire and Brandy and a lot of these other people to pull the passion out. Because the songs sound okay, but there's a difference between an okay song and a great song. And it comes down to the performances. That's what I'm missing on the Bonfire joint. Tom, it sounds like, and I could just be making things up here. But is there a correlation between Ed hating and if Wally is on the album? Because Wally is on this album and Ed is hating. <laughs> that song is actually really good. Kyle told me to listen to that one that she has with Wally. It's pretty dope. Ed, you're just a Wally hater for some reason. I don't get it. He's one of the best rappers ever. First of all, the fact that you say it out of your mouth that Wally is one of the best rappers ever means that you need <laughs> a nap. Secondly... Wale is fine. I don't know how we got on the Wale conversation. I mean, he's fine. He's f- he's fine. Great, <laughs> please. He's fine. Is he better than Fabulous? Is Wale better than Fabulous? Now, that's actually an interesting question. He puts out better albums than Fabulous. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a better rapper than that, Fabulous. Gotcha. I'll leave it at that. Gotcha. Mm. Well, since we're on the topic of rap and B here... Who are the best at making R&B songs from rappers? So we have the Ja Rules, the Fabulous, Wally I would put up there as well. Nelly, I guess. Nelly is another one. LL, oh. Chingy. Am I missing anyone right now? Uh, really, the fact that you, you really went getting... to Chingy <laughs> made me want to throw up. We're really getting into the dark side of hip-hop here, I'd say. Listen, I will give props to LL because LL is another one that knows how to do it. So when he's good, he's good. I'll give of the people you named, LL wins. Damn. Oh, all right. Well, go check out both JoJo and the Bonfires albums. Uh, another one that came out here. This is an interesting song. I got to talk about my boy Mario. He dropped his new song closer. I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to it, but it is like the most weird structured song i've ever heard um, yep. in the be- in the beginning of the song he does the typical trap and b stuttery weird choppy flow and then into the chorus he's singing like it's 1999 mm-hmm. it was hard for me to digest and I, like my brain can't figure out what's going on in that song we player we're three for three didn't i say we were going to talk about this all day Again, this is another performance of a song that's just like poorly constructed and I'm not feeling what he's saying. Like he starts, it started out okay. First of all, it's another one of these moody productions. And then he starts with the Migos rapping and that stuff. And then he starts singing. 
It's like he's trying to do the best of both worlds, but it's just, I mean, it's like a peanut butter and motor oil sandwich. Like, look, you got to pick or choose. This is gross. So I love it. It could have been a good song, but I don't know what he was going for. It's not bad. Like, check it out. It's not a bad song at all, but it just does not work. It just, there's a weird sound clash. And again, this it's just so flat. Like the energy is so flat. Hmm. Um, speaking of sandwiches, Tom, do you think peanut butter and Nutella would go well together? I don't see why not. I personally would not eat it, but chocolate and peanut butter or whatever hazelnut. Yeah, why not? Hmm. Shouts to Nutella. <laughs> Shout out to you! Try to get a sponsorship. Yeah, nice try, Kyle. Nutella is solid. Uh, I gotta talk about this album here, Rico Love, Emerging Woman of R and B. I think this was a really cool concept here. Uh, if you haven't checked out the project yet, I just uh, I suggest you do so. Kind of is that classic Rico Love feel to it. Rico is an established songwriter, so you know what you're gonna get from him, but. I just thought the concept was so cool. He has Deborah Cox on it. He has Seven Streeter on it. He has K. Michelle on it. And then he has a bunch of female artists, emerging female artists that I've never heard of before, and I assume neither of you guys have either. But Rico Love intentionally did that because he wants, you know, when these females eventually blow up, for you to remember, oh, they were initially on Rico Love's album. And I thought that was a really cool concept. But let me ask you this when it comes to this. Let's say you listen to Rico Love's album. Does your does your interest in the music depend at all on who's singing the record? Like if you listen to a seven record on that album, you're gonna definitely be excited because it's seven. But to have voices that you've never heard of before, names you've never heard of before, does that does that change your excitement on a song? See, I listen to music differently, so it's kind of hard for me to say because, as my wife loves to say, I listen to music like a math problem. I like being surprised. I like hearing an artist for the first time and being blown away and be like, who is that? I remember the first time I heard Kelly Price's first single being like, what is this? I remember hearing Up Jumps the Boogie from Tim and Magoo for the first time being like, what is this? So every artist is unknown at some point. And I love being surprised by a new artist. Your girl, Anna Moore. Shout out to Tom for putting me on to her. Huge fan of her. When I first heard her, I'm like, who is this? I love hearing that. So I don't mind hearing artists that I'm un- like unfamiliar with because this could be my new favorite artist. And to me, that's the fun part about discovering music. Again, we live in this era where it's like, you got to be team Nicki Minaj. So... If you're not riding with that team, everybody else is irrelevant unless you get a cosign. So I understand why some fans are kind of hesitant to try new stuff because they have their lane and that's what they want to do. But as for me, I like being surprised. I like hearing new stuff and I like discovering new arts. Unfortunately, Ed, you're in the minority because whenever we post artists on the site that people haven't heard of before... We barely can get anyone to listen because just because of name value. So I feel like Rico is going to have an uphill battle with this one. More power to him for put you know being ambitious, but it's not going to be easy pushing this project. But good for him for doing this. Is 
I mean, good for him for fighting a good fight because he is using his name value to put on some artists. So that's what it's all about. I give him props for that. Yeah, I did get a chance to listen to the album. You guys should check out that Seven Streeter record. The title isn't coming to me right now, but the melody on that song, I tweeted it out. It was a crazy melody. So go check out that one. And Deborah Cox is on the album as well. And Ed, I know how much you love Deborah. So yes, my that girl. Goes without saying. <laughs> uh, and then speaking speaking of your girl, Kelly Price has a new song out, Unsung. Church. I l- yes, Churchy Tom. You better get the collection plate. <laughs> Hope you ate before you came because the preacher gonna be preaching a long time, and <laughs> Kelly gonna be singing a long time. I love this one too. Um, it's a little bit. I know that her last record that she came out with that was definitely gospel um, gospel centered. This one is a little bit more in the realm of R&B. She does both worlds very, very well. I like this one. It's not a, it doesn't feel to me like a hit, but it's just far as a well-written song. One of those powerful ballads that she is known for doing. And guess what? I feel her emotion. And it's not because she's yelling. When she's talking about being un-this and un-that, because the song's called Unsung, but she's talking about like kind of essentially breaking chains of, the uns in her world and the way she delivers each and every line. You can tell she's feeling it. She felt like somebody who's gone through something. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all. It ain't about yelling. Just convince me. You're selling me a story with these songs. Sell me, tell me that you're invested in this song and it makes me invested as a listener. <laughs> now, Tom, you had a chance to interview Kelly price a few weeks ago, maybe last week. And, Something interesting she said was that she looks at herself as a songwriter first and then a singer. I mean, that's mind-blowing because Kelly Price is one of the best voices we have. For starters, man, she's super humble and, and real cool. You know, Ed, your girl. I mean, you know, just listening to her speak about her career and her music, I, I love when artists are that humble and don't just get the, into this ego mode and, you know, talk about the hits like, you know, like you're talking to someone that's, above you i mean she's so cool right. and I, I was really cool to hear her talk about that because i was you know I, I specifically talked to her about her songwriting because she doesn't get the credit she deserves we know her as one of the best vocalists in r&b over the past couple of decades but she's also one of the top songwriters so i'm glad i was able to get her to speak about that and um, a truly a special talent you know i can't yep Still listen to it to this day. Y'all know how much um, Kelly means to me. And when it comes to songwriting and production and stuff, you can just go back to the early days of the hit. Once again, we can give Andre Harrell some props because she got she really cut her teeth doing some work with Bad Boy in the late 90s before she started her own solo career. So once again, indirectly helped put on one of my favorite artists with her work with Puffy. So always going to show love to my aunt Kelly Price. Mm. Shout outs to Kelly. Uh, another album that came out, I don't think any of us have heard it yet, Kalani's new album. Uh, I just want to quickly mention that album. We'll talk about it next week when we get a chance. The last I heard of Kalani, she was fighting with Keisha Cole on social media, so <laughs> got to actually listen to the album before I get some context on that. But I got some more uh, <laughs> hot-burning questions for you guys here. No oh boy. Right. Didn't we have enough of these hot questions? You were talking about Ashanti and JoJo. What else you got? Uh, well, um, as you guys know, I am a big advocate and fan of when artists give me their phone numbers. 
so that I can text them. So, yeah. And Ed has, Ed has told me many, many times not to fall for that because they collect your information and who knows what they do with it. So I've uh. stopped texting Usher. Uh, Mario, <laughs> but Mario actually Stop. has something new. Well, how is he? How is Mario stealing your information? Please tell us. Well, he's not stealing information anymore. But he started a new website called Mario VIP. So he made a video on Instagram and said, "Come join my VIP fan club, where you'll get exclusive music, the first uh, notification if I drop a new music video, the behind the scenes, you know, just access." to him that uh, a regular person wouldn't get. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm a Mario fan. I definitely want to sign up for this. And when I tried signing up for it, it was 50 bucks, like, to be a member. <laughs> you know, so I didn't know I had to pay to be a fan. I mean, I guess it I sounds like a, buy their albums, It but. sounds like a mailing list that most artists would set up regularly for free. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't know. So you oh, paid the money? Yeah, th- see, that was the whole point of this podcast. I'm trying to get access to our uh, our funds <laughs> so that I can uh, sign up with the VIP membership. If I get a bill from Mario, I am coming for your neck. And then I'm coming for Mario's neck for putting out that weird song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But, I mean, this this brings up an interesting conversation, or maybe two conversations. I'm not going to sit here and assume that Mario is going through hard times and now he's charging fans in order to survive because that would be irresponsible. But this does lead to a question because I see it happening now, or I can see it happening. Actually, Raheem Devon did it recently where they're now charging artists or they're, they're now charging fans for virtual performances. I'm not sure if the platform is Instagram Live or something else, now, we have some beef on this when it comes to the versus battles, but would you guys pay to watch your favorite artist sing live on Instagram Live? No, it's not Instagram Live, Raheem, by the way. So it's not like some choppy footage. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's say for argument's sake that what you pay for is HD quality, the sound is immaculate, but it's still virtual. And I think Live Nation is actually trying to do that as well. They're going to try to set up concerts virtually and have you pay for it. Are you guys down to pay a couple of dollars to see your favorite artist virtually? Yes. Mm. Yes. Well, is there a band involved? Yeah, let's let's say there's a band. There's pyrotechnics. There's there's, there's... no, not pyro, not not <laughs> pyrotechnics. I, calm down. I I just don't want. To... I don't want to hear some guy singing over a track singing on a stool in his living room. I want to hear a full performance. No, let's just say, for example, here, uh, I'll paint the picture. Tom, music soul child at Madison Square Garden. It's an empty arena, but he gets the stage, he gets the band, he gets the pyrotechnics. I'm not sure why music would need that. He was no. a fan at the front of the stage, blowing his hair. Would you pay for that? <laughs> what? See... I don't need all that. I'd actually take a Music Soul Child concert from a studio with his band recorded on some one of these formats that could give you good quality. Why not, you know? To me, that would be good enough. Yes, and that's what I was about to get at, Tom, when I was hesitant at first. Like, are we talking about paying concert prices 
for somebody sitting in their living room or are we talking about a professional setup with a live band and an actual experience? Sure, I would pay for that. My wife just watched the um, Lion Bay concert. I think that was on IG. And she's oh, been wow. raving about how well done it was. She's like, of all these battles and IG things, like by far, this was the best setup. And she's been dying to see them anyway. And this was the best experience for her to do that. So she's been laid up for a couple of days. So this was a good way for her to unwind and kind of get her mind off things. She loved it. If artists can do that and give a authentic experience, I am for it. Now, if you getting up here sounding like Teddy Riley the other day with the sound going crazy and the mic's not working and you sounding like an echo and things are going out in the feet, no, I'm not paying for any of that. But if it's an actual concert experience and it's an artist I really want to see, no doubt, we'll do it. Well, Kyle, I'm going to make a profound statement right now for you guys. And I, I don't mean to, to single anyone out. You know, shout out to people like Raheem and John B and Lion Babe who are, and, and others, I'm, I'm not remembering, but who are trying to do things. But most artists, guys, most R&B artists, in my opinion, are failing at this quarantine, and it's only going to get worse because they're not taking the stage anytime soon. None of them are doing anything, and we're just going to forget about them. Most fans are just going to forget about them because they're just out of sight, out of mind, and it's just sad to see them not even trying to do anything creative. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but it is pathetic to me. I agree that I agree with the out of sight, out of sight, out of mind concept. I do think that if they ain't there, that people are going to move on and forget about them. And this is an opportunity to share yourself with the world in a creative way. You got a captive audience. Ain't nobody going yes. anywhere. So this is an opportunity to hop on that. Now, I know that there are some extenuating circumstances. Some people ain't got the ability to do it. But if you have the ability to do it. Why wouldn't you? That's all I'm saying. We've seen that it works. We've, we've seen it. It can, it can work. And it's nothing but a love letter to your fans and a boost to your career. If you can do it, do it. I don't see why you would. What John B. is doing every day, from every once a week from his house, his Vibe Select Cafe concert series for like a half an hour, is a love letter to his fans. Why can't every artist do something similar? I, don't, I just don't get it, guys. And it's just sad to see artists wasting this opportunity. They're going to wake up before it's, you know, it's going to be too late. I, we're not going to see them live anytime soon. It's going to be a while. Well, Tom, they don't want to use their talent without making money from it. Oh, don't say that, Kyle. Don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah, I cannot be mad at them. They have a talent, and that talent comes with a price. So I cannot be well, mad get, at that. Guess what, oh, though? Oh, all the venues are going to be shut down by the time uh, everything opens up again, so they're not going to have anywhere to perform. See, Tom, I have a problem with that mentality. I get it on the surface. Okay, you know, I need to get paid for all my stuff. But nobody is. Like, I could see if everybody was making all this money, you didn't want to give it away from free. Listen, we are all in the house. Use this opportunity and see it as an opportunity to build your brand, not to get rich. Yes. Yes. This is the opportunity where you connect. I don't think, oh, I'm going to wait till I can charge $50 for my IG concert. <laughs> well, good luck with you and your three people that's paying for that. You're not making money off of this because it's not a platform to make money off of this. This is a time to promote yourself. So promote. We keep talking about, oh, we don't. We want to see more from our artists and we want to hear from them and we don't know where they are. 
Turn on the camera on your laptop. If you don't know how to do it, have your nephew come over. It ain't that hard. I know some of y'all struggling looking at some of these IG battles. Have a little kid come over and set you up. It's easy. Stop looking at trying to get the bag and look at supporting your fans. It's so simple. Ed, I'm sure you know by now it's all about the bag. That's what Keith Sweat oh. said. It's all about the bag. <laughs> Yeah, Keith be about that bag, but my point is, this ain't the time to worry about the bag. Nobody's getting a bag, so you ain't special. You ain't getting one. What has Keith Sweat done this quarantine? I don't know what I don't know what King Keith has oh. done. I have not heard from him at all. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, right, Ed? Oh, oh my man. gosh. You are pushing your luck today. Calm down. It'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with these concerts. You know, I've read a couple of articles where promoters are starting to ramp up and start doing shows again at venues, but they've only used like one third of the capacity of the venue. So if it was a place that seated a thousand, they maybe have like 200 people in there and they're segregated in different like pods to practice social distancing. That's going to be a huge issue for venues if they're trying to make money or they can, I guess, charge tickets at like $700 a piece. Some people might be wanting to go to that anyway. So it'll be interesting to see. With that and the the virtual concerts, I I do hope that concerts come back soon, but based on all that I've seen, I don't think it will. Um, Now, it is interesting that, Tom, you posed the question to people and, of course, we're not health experts here, but it was really interesting just to see that people are still willing to go to concerts right now, oh. even if there's vaccine in place. We don't really need to go into that because, again, none of us are health experts, but, man, like, these concerts, like, concerts are a big part of everyone's lives. So to have that gone for an extended amount of time, that's going to be detrimental to a lot of just people, you know, in general as individuals. It's never going to be the same. And just along with your previous point, if they lower the capacity of these venues, how are they going to afford to book some of the bigger name artists they used to? Because they're not going to be able to afford to pay them what they used to be getting. So I don't know if some of these artists with big egos are going to make a concession on getting paid less. You know, a lot of times they skip, you know, cities like New York anyway because they can't get what they're looking for. So I'm, I'm scared to see what it's going to look like on the other side, guys. Well, let me tell you something, player. You can have that ego all day, but hunger makes you humble real quick. So you can get real fancy about being like, I want X, Y, Z. But when you ain't getting booked nowhere, you're going to take that $25 and roll with it. I think it's going to be our world is going to change probably, I mean, for the immediate future, definitely. Maybe forever. And it does affect the way that we have large-scale gatherings. It's just There are a lot of states just trying to act like, Oh, we're just going to go back and business as you know, because nobody is going to trust doing that, at least for the next year and a half. So artists, when it comes to this, again, it goes back. We said earlier, it's time to think outside of the box. It's not about selling out Madison Square Garden and getting a billion bags of gold off of that. You've got to think Mm -hmm. of new ways to connect with your fans and to push your music out there and be creative. Nope. Now, one more hot burning question for you guys. I know we're almost out of time here, but I had to get into this. Ed brought it up earlier. Mariah Carey, a lot of her older albums 
Um, the less popular ones, like E equals MC Square, Charm, Brace- Charm Bracelet is another one. They're hitting the number one uh, spot on iTunes and their chart. And so that leads to the question, should we really be celebrating these achievements? Because who still buys music on iTunes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, I... It's like five stands by an album and it goes number one. That that is true, and that's something that I think is not kind of calculated when we like, oh, something went to number one. It's not like ten million people went out and copped this album player, but I do still buy stuff on iTunes and download it because I don't trust anybody. I'm an, I'm the crazy old miser that doesn't trust the world, <laughs> so I'm hoarding up music. You laugh, but I tell you this: when the Spotify's and the Apple Music's and titles you go to trying to look for some random remix from 1992 and it's not on any streaming service, guess who got it? Your boy. So I am copping. If it's an album I like, I will purchase it. Even today. Wow. Hey, don't look at me. I still got the classic iPod. Me too. You know, I got everything on MP3, man. People make yep, fun of I've... me, but hey, I, I'm going to get the last laugh. <laughs> titles down and y'all fussing on Twitter. I'm still rocking the Leah album while you can't find it anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I have a challenge for you guys. If we're going to start bringing up obscure albums back to number one, finally getting these albums the recognition, recognition that it deserves, can mm-hmm. we, between the three of us, I'll give up the Mario VIP money if we use that money for this album. Link's Sex Down album. Oh, <laughs> Link sex down album. Oh my gosh. Shout out to Link. That made my day. <laughs> that that's a great segue into the soul backtrack of the day here, Ed. Can we talk about the Link record, what you're gonna do? Are you gonna hit yes, them with the sixty nine? Oh my gosh, hit them with the sixty nine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Link, I love Link. My wife and I were talking about Link. Oh, uh, I guess it was about a I, maybe it was a week ago, we are talking about I really want to sex your body because I was like, I don't know if they played that a lot in Birmingham where she was at the time, but they wore that out in VA where I was. And I, she was like, of course they played it here. Link is one of those artists that for a short time was kind of everywhere and then he just kind of faded away, which is weird because he had some joints. Mm. Shout out to Link. And Tom, did you know that he wrote the LSG record, Your Body? Keith did not write that song. It's my body, not your body. Sorry, your body is the particular song. Don't you dare compare. Same thing, right? No. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Can we get into the play of please here? We need to because this thing is off the rails. Uh, so I've got two. Uh, the first one, I don't know if we're allowed to bring it up. People got mad at us, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because it's still preposterous to me. Uh, speaking okay. of hard times, Tom, we tried interviewing a producer for our Instagram Live series, which is doing very well. You guys need to check it out. But this producer said, yes, I'll do it if you pay me, I don't know how much it was anymore. It was like $1,500 for 15 minutes. Ed, should we do it? What? No, you don't pay for journalism. No. And why do people get mad about that? Because oh, uh, we uh, yeah, they, they felt like we were exposing their personal business. 
But you didn't say who it was. <laughs> yeah, you didn't name the artist, so I don't know what you're mad about. I mean, it's people, a lot of people don't understand how journalism works. And I mean, I and you, I'm sure you guys get it too. Sometimes I get requests in my email where people are like, "Hey, I want you to read my album. How much does it cost?" Like, um, no, like we don't do that. I don't take money for an album review so it can taint my review. Now, you can contribute to Soul and Stereo Studios, and I will give you a nice thumbs up in the little Facebook thing, but that's about it. You don't get money for album reviews. Mm-hmm. But people don't understand how it works. And I'm sure there are some outlets who do take payola. Oh, yeah. We know about that. We have the contracts to prove it. We've seen it. Uh-oh. Ed, you would be... You would be flabbergasted at how much these other outlets charge. Well, clearly I'm hustling backwards. Somebody need to tell me what the deal is. <laughs> you need to manifest your own lane right now, Ed. Manifest oh. my own lane? <laughs> the player sound like he's sitting on the Badu and Jill Scott battle. What in the world are you talking about? Relax. <laughs> so we're not going to name the uh, producer. I know a lot of people have been DMing us. Uh, privately to find out who the producer is. We won't be doing that. He's done a lot of hits. And uh, I guess the only thing I can tell you is that we've done an interview with him in the past, and he did not charge us. But that mm. was when uh, things were looking a little... Uh... Stop. 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 <laughs> Everybody trying to get that quarantine back. That's what it is. Can't blame him. Uh, or her. Uh, and then the other player, please, that I have here... I saw a tweet recently that said, I could argue that 2020 R&B is already beating 2019 R&B. I can argue that whoever tweeted that is an idiot. What? <laughs> yeah, but uh, men- mention the artist they named. I heard, like, Davison was in there. Who? Davis? Oh, my God. <laughs> Please talk before I just continue. Davison again. <laughs> I think Janae was on that list. Um, just yeah, just a bunch of newer R and B acts, and then someone else was like, "You're gonna say those albums are better than Ari Lennox, Summer Walker, Sir, Snow Allegra." No mention of Lucky Day, who I thought had probably one of the better ones. But Ed, Tom, this Twitter conversation that was happening just made me realize. You know, I just turned thirty this year. I am way out of the game when it comes to R&B. Like, I can't have a full-on discussion about this stuff anymore. Playa, did you just... That's why I only come here to talk about these things. Everybody is insane. Everybody. I mean, what type of people even have the time to have a full-blown Twitter discussion about that? I mean, just where are your priorities at, man? I'm saying everybody must be off work because this brother over here is grinding like no other. I don't have time to argue yep. with y'all. But to this person's point, which is strange, I actually like Division, not Davison. I actually like their album a lot, so <laughs> I'll give props there. But it's a ridiculous claim to say that in the first, the second, where we are, the second week of May, and on this year of quarantine, the coronavirus year, where we've barely got. Five good R&B albums is better than a whole year. Twelve months has gone by. What are you smoking? 
And not only did I not know how to pronounce Davison's name correctly, I thought it was one person. I didn't even know it was a group. No, it's... Oh, my gosh. Lion Babe ain't just a person. It's a group. Division ain't just a person. It's a group. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. Ugh. It's time for you to kick back with that evening drink. <laughs> instead of instead of the Soulback Podcast, it might now be called the Throwback Podcast. I'm sorry, guys. Well, oh. it was already headed that way. But when I think <laughs> about it for real, like when we, I'm thinking like now about, I don't think I could even name here in May what the best R&B album of the year is because this year is going to have an asterisk beside it. Just being yeah. real, because yeah. this everything is just completely out of whack. We don't know what the future is going to be like. And there have been some good albums. I like the Kevin Ross joint. I did like Luke James joint. I did like Division. Um, I really like um, Selena's album. But to put that up against, I don't put in it. I think Lucky Day alone was better than most of those albums I just named. Snow Allegra, Ari Lennox. Come on now. Just find something else to talk about. Mm. Well, that might change when Usher drops Confessions, the sequel. I don't even know if that's still happening at this point. You have been saying this for three years. Yeah, I don't know if it's happening. That Little John and Ludacris song, Sex Beat, that's not really doing anything on the charts, which is kind of surprising. But uh, Kyle, breaking news. Breaking news. Usher's Don't Waste My Time with LMA was the most increased song at Urban AC Radio. Out of nowhere, it's now number six. So it's still moving up the charts, guys. And good. I didn't. Good for I it. didn't see that coming. I didn't. See I that didn't either. I really felt like that kind of ran out of gas, but yeah, proof that there's still some more juice there. I like, and I can't remember who I was on the podcast with, but I talked a couple weeks ago about how I really liked that they actually dropped a real video. Little things like that that I think can help kind of move things along instead of dropping a title link. Hey, y'all, go listen to this and never promoting it again. You got to kind of put some ground groundwork in here. And I'm glad they're doing it. Yo, we don't have to have a conversation on this, but I got to make a statement here. I don't know what's more impressive, hitting number one on Urban AC or hitting number one on the iTunes chart. Because to me... Oh, Oh my God. Did did you get five people to go buy the album for the iTunes chart? That might be the more impressive thing. We got me, you, Tom. We'll get Lachelle on board. Montrez Jones on board. We'll get that Link album. We'll shoot him to number one. We got this, guys. Damn. <laughs> Lachelle and Montrez. I don't know if Montrez spending money on albums besides Janet stuff. So I don't know if we can kind of count on my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Just Montrez. He'll randomly hit me up and be like, oh, it's the 13th, 13th year anniversary of some random Janet album. I'm like, damn. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a Janet factoid, he's going to know it. Yeah, exactly. So, that's it for us. Ed, what's going on on SoInStereo.com? Man, it has been quite a couple weeks. So, I've been kind of pulled away from most Soul and Stereo duties dealing with some stuff at the crib. But, don't worry because we still have some new stuff, as always. The head-to-head series continues, and really the last two ones have been two of my favorite ones. We have one on Kanye West and one on Boys to Men. Shout out to 
John Hammondtree. Shout out to Vocals, who contribute to both of those respectively. And there was some real deep and interesting conversations about the legacy of Boys to Men, why they may not be as celebrated as they are today. And in the case of Kanye, maybe an artist who was celebrated, whose legacy might be a little bit screwed up. So check those out. We go over the best songs, the songs that should have been singles, worst albums, you know the deal. But also some real deep, smart conversation. I love talking with smart music fans. Also, the last time we were on the podcast, you missed this, Kyle. Tom and I were talking about who could possibly be the queen of New Jack Swing. And he said that someone mentioned Miss Karen White. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. So then I went and started looking at her work. And I was like, you know, there might be some facts to that. So it's been a while, but I cranked out a new version of Whatever Happened To featuring Miss Karen White. And Karen White actually showed me a lot of love for that one. So shout out to her. And I asked her about the New Jack Swing thing. And she said she had never even considered herself like a New Jack Swing pioneer. But she was appreciative of the love there. So go check out those three posts. And hopefully, by the time this drops, we'll have an album ranking of Rick Ross. That big man has a bunch of albums, so that's wearing me out. Check that out. That'll be out soon. First of all, shout out to Rick Ross for having R&B features, but none of his raps ever have anything to do with the song. Absolutely none. It drives me nuts. (laughs) Secondly, isn't Pebbles the queen of New Jack Swing? Huh. Uh, No. I've never heard anyone say that. I don't... Well, the thing I don't know if anyone has been named a queen of New Jack Swing. Pebbles doesn't sound right, but Karen didn't sound right until I looked at the facts. And I was like, huh, she's got a case. Hmm. I gotta explore some Pebbles. Maybe there's something there. Yep. But, uh, Tom, on You Know I Got So, we've been grinding, we've been doing interviews with everyone... Anyone that has had a album, anyone that has had a, had a single, anyone that can even sing a note, we're doing interviews with them. We had Donnell. Hey, there's some people that can't, but we had Donnell. Oh, no, you know it. Darnell Jones. Shout out Darnell. Darnell. Shout out to my boy. What's his name? The guy from Africa, South Africa. Uh, Kanga, I think his name. I, I don't know his name, but he's a big Donnell fan, so... We got that one for him. John B. is coming up next week. And, Tom, you've done a bunch. We've both done a bunch, man. I mean, just keeping this. I think we've almost done about 50 at this point, which is crazy. It's been a little over a month. We're going to keep it going, though. Got a lot more people to interview, Kyle. A lot of yes, and y'all didn't, mention, y'all didn't mention one of my favorites is coming up. Adina Howard is next on the list. I'm going to be on front row oh. for my girl. Ed, we forgot to tell you, you're the one doing that interview. Well, I think, well, you should have <laughs> told me before showtime. Let me get my notes together. Good Lord. <laughs> no, that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah, people are wondering why you're not doing these interviews, and I'm like, Ed's busy. <laughs> Your boy is quite busy, but I'm always showing love when I can. Yep, and uh, so we've yeah we've got a couple of interviews lined up. It'll be fun. Like I said, we're just trying to manifest our own lane, so we'll just continue oh, to do that. But guys, stop saying that. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it sounds cool. <sighs> sounds like rap in twenty twenty. I don't know what it means, but it sounds cool. Beats fire. But anyways, guys, I think we're out for this week. So. <laughs> 
everyone safe. Keep your mask on and uh, yeah, practice social distancing. I guess. All right, guys. Mask on, get the bag. Yes. <laughs>